So, obviously, Interceptor is the best dog in all of Final Fantasy VI, and I would even say the entire series. Uh, Final Fantasy VI's greatest dog, Interceptor? That's a noob answer for Bedwetter's morons. I mean, the correct answer is Vector Hound. How, how could you even know if you'd want to yiff with Interceptor if he doesn't have a complete battle sprite? Uh, first off, uh, do not poke, poke fun at my bedwetting. That is a sensitive issue that I revealed to you uh, in confidence. Um, and, and second of all, of, of all of the ladies in Final Fantasy VI that you would want to bone down on, you're going to go for the dog. That's... You just... Mm. Only Vector Hound has been hardened by a harsh life in Narch. He's clearly one of Final Fantasy's uh, harshest regions. So, I mean, he'd have the constitution to take anything you'd want to throw at him. Um, so, it's obviously a, a Vector Hound that has been brought in by the Empire to hunt down the missing witch, a.k.a. Uh, Terra Bramford. Uh, they are not from Narsh. They are there with the Empire. Well, but that that's... Hey, wait, uh, hey, hey guys, over over there. Hey, uh, <laughs> since it's such a nice day, do you want to go uh, shoot some hoops? Um, we're enthralled in, a, in this discussion, so you can go play your sports balls elsewhere, sir. Anyway, leaving the canine aspects of the game aside, it definitely hurts for the lack of a job system. Coming hot off the heels of Final Fantasy V, which was the um, uh, purest expression of the job system um, in the entire series, it is just a vast uh, disappointment. Uh, knock, knock. Who's at the door? It's Final Fantasy Tactics. He's brought pizza and also the fact that it's the strongest implementation of the job system in the world of Final Fantasy San's vision of the world. I mean, it's not only a perfect microcosm of the job system, it's also a microcosm of employment in general. You you sicken me. If we're going to be throwing Gaiden games into this conversation, why don't we just talk about <laughs> Mystic Quest, you know? Oh, yeah, always on. with the Mystic Quest. Always with the Mystic Quest. <sighs> I will always stand by the fact that the soundtrack to Mystic Quest is one of at least the three best soundtracks in the game. It's of this troper's opinion that you would say that, since you're a true cloud cuckoo lander standing in the heroic hallway. <sighs> uh, you know what? I am so sick of you being a deadpan snarker, and I just wish that you would just join my Nakama and get behind me on this. Excuse me, young man. Uh, yes, uh... Yes, excuse me. Old man Johnson has lost his mind, and he's giving out $100 bills to anyone who can run a mile. Er, what part of don't distract us, don't you ignoramuses understand? <sighs> Alright. Anyway, if we can just get a thought out. Listen, people simply don't understand Final Fantasy II's elegant level-up system. And the way that the characters improve not only foreshadows such critical darlings as your Skyrim at all, but it also forms a dramaturgical dyad with the real, to the extent uh, that one being rained upon by goblin hit after goblin hit is no different than the indignities visited upon me by my father. Um, leaving dyads aside and, and dryads, which we should probably get back to, um, <laughs> the... <laughs> The progression system in Final Fantasy II was a mockery of self-improvement and, dare I say, education in general. Am I to assume that rote repetition of any given task is enough to train me up from beating rats in a sewer to fighting off the, the gods themselves? You're forgetting the golden rule. Catechism before cataclysm, alright? 
you know, these blows that you may you know, undertake in the game sting, and they make you stronger, just like things in life. And when, when I finally destroy everyone who, who opposes me, I'm going to stand there with my katana at my back. I'm going to look just like Fyrenaeriel in the sun. And you're just jealous of that. I'm jealous of lots of people, but not somebody who recognizes Final Fantasy II, the, the Japanese version, as anything but a joke in the series. There's only one joke in this series, and it's you. That that was unnecessary. I, I know. I, I'm sorry. You forgive me? Mm, okay. Come here. You'll always be this troper's disc one omni leader. Let's go share a Pazone and a two liter of Code Red. Oh, God! It's Ragnarok! The old gods are descending to wage their final war. Oh, God, it's... Oh, God, all I smell is brimstone and all I see is blood. Uh, my associate and I uh, are hugging it out. I mean, we just had an argument about Final Fantasies. And the end of the world isn't going to stop me from hugging it out with my sideways Oedipus. So, uh, make haste from here and on your way, watch out for fireballs. Hi, this is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are continuing our discussion of Final Fantasy VI, uh, specifically the World of Ruin, which is the second half of the game. Right, right. If you if you missed it uh, two weeks back, we took, took you through the first half of the game, um, kind of talked about some gameplay in general. We've got a little bit of that, but we mostly want to run through the, the rest of the plot here. Um, where we left our... Our heroes, we had just fought the the Atma weapon or Ultima weapon, depending on which version or translation you're using. Um, just a quick note, that, that kind of thing's <laughs> going to vary a little bit. Um, we're, we're both, we, we replayed this on the Game Boy Advance, but we both have played it in multiple other forms. So it's, it's sometimes hard to keep that stuff straight. So when we mention stuff, we'll be sure to provide enough vague descriptors, such as, you know, the chariot guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and come on, you know what I mean. Like it's it's, it's going to be all kinds of unplaced aggression on, on this this personal this person uh, who who may or may not exist who doesn't understand us. Exactly. So <laughs> take that, you we, fictitious entity. We will share diagrams in the show notes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. So we fought we fought Atma weapon or Ultima weapon on the uh the the floating continent. We barely made our escape, and uh, Kefka used his new, newfound power from the the three gods and goddesses of magic to uh, pretty much rearrange and, and partially destroy the world. Which is really really interesting because after that happens, you know, life kind of goes on, except everybody is living in fear of Kefka as he, uh, you know, sits atop his you know, throne of dead bodies, uh, you know, at the tower at the center of the world. Right. One of the, one of the neat things this game does is when it picks back the, the plot back up, it's a year later. 
So the 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 immediate threat is gone, but you get to see you know how the world has changed in the last year. And uh, you you take up play as Celes, and uh, you've been in a coma for that year. So that's a, another convenient narrative device <laughs> that is pretty sophisticated for video games. Not that sophisticated for literature, but we'll we'll give it a buy. And uh, you've been living in a, a shack on a, a deserted island with your uncle Sid, the weird banana suited mustache <laughs> mechanic. Uh, he character. does look like a banana. <laughs> yeah, he, he there's always money in the banana stance, Sid. <laughs> Um, like, you know, Mr. Banana Grabber uh, wait, wakes you up. He, he does. And he's a sick little banana just running around. Yeah, he, he's got some New World cancer, you know, that, that's, this kind of sickness or something. He's just he's getting sick. So you kind of it's kind of hilariously you immediately change places. Yep. Like you've been in a coma for a year, but you're fine. You get out and you're <laughs> you're ready to equip relics and 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 runic your way. To, to the end of the world you, you don't have to you don't have to go through any physical therapy you don't have to play with any resistance bands or do any of that you're good no 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 uh it's the opposite of the scene from uh kill bill exactly. like you, you you just immediately get up yep and then sid has been waiting for you to come out of a coma so he can lay down in his single bed um <laughs> for a year so so he lays down and kind of you know again just in kind of a neat choice they start you off with this non-action related bit where you have to feed sid so, so yeah, you know, and he says, "Hope you like fish, because that's all we have. You know, that's all I've been feeding you on is fish paste that I have that I have put into your mouth and then worked your jaw and then just kind of rubbed your throat so you would swallow the fish paste." Yeah, I made this this homemade IV out of leftover Magitech parts. <laughs> I hope that, I hope I hope that uh, you've had your tetanus. Yeah, uh, so you have to go out and you have to grab fish with your bare hands, and uh, this is one of those kind of like rare instances in the series where it can go either way. You can fail. And the game will still go on. Right. And there, there's no way to know what you're supposed to feed him. You only need to give him the fastest fish. And when you go down to the beach, you can you know, see a set of fish that are moving around slowly. And you may think that's just how fish move uh, during this portion of the game. So if, if you don't feed him entirely uh, tasty fish in your inventory, which are the quickest ones, he actually dies, which is which is really cool and really pretty sophisticated. And it's not just sophisticated because he dies. It's sophisticated sure. <laughs> because Cells gives up all hope because she has no way of knowing that she's, you know, not the only person left on the earth, right? Which is right. pretty damn bleak, you know, not just for a Final Fantasy game or a video game in general, but uh, pretty damn bleak uh, for most things. She goes and she hurls herself off of a cliff, which I'm surprised I got by Nintendo's uh, little censorship board at that point. Yeah, not all, and it's... You know, again, like, uh, I, I didn't mean it was sophisticated because it's it's not like a Spawn comic from like 1992 where it's like, yeah, everybody dies. This is adult. But just kind of, you know, in, uh, in what you're saying, what's neat is when you when you go and you hurl yourself off the cliff, the blocking and everything mirrors the opera scene when she does that earlier. It's really nice. Like, it's a nice little bit of parallelism. And uh, you, you jump off of off the cliff and survive. For, you know, for some reason, you wash up onto the beach with, uh, you know, a renewed sense of hope and, um, you, you, you know, m miraculously non-broken legs. <laughs> and uh, you somehow find a note that Sid was able to uncover um, after he died. And uh, try to. Oh, and you also a bird, right? Like a dove comes down and it has a, a Locke's hat or a ribbon from Locke, right? It has That's his bandana. He was he was he was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so you you find out that there's hope that maybe Locke is around, therefore maybe you're not the last person on Earth, 
Um, and so you, you get on this raft and you, you head towards the, the nearest shore. And this is the point where the game really opens up and it goes from being a Square Enix 16-bit Japanese RPG to being a, the early prototype for every Bioware game that has ever come out. <laughs> right. I mean, this this point, you know, your your overarching task is kind of twofold. You know, you want to you want to find your friends again, um, and you want to build up strength and you know gain experience and get items to to come and eventually take on Kafka. The order you do this is largely up to you. I mean, at this point, you're still um, a little bit railroaded because you don't have the airship yet, but you get the airship very early on. And uh, once you do, it's you can do the rest of the the content before the emboss in any order you want. Right. But the uh, the first place that you go, you end up on the center continent, which used to be the seat of the empire. Um, and you end up uh, in the town of Zen or Tizen, whatever it is, T-Z-E-N. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, where you quickly find uh, Saban. Yep, and he is uh, he's holding up a house. He's just <laughs> like you left him. He's he's bench pressing an entire building. Um, <laughs> and 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 what again? One of my favorite things that happened in this game, where he's you know I can only this is pretty heavy. I can only hold it for about five minutes, and then the five minute timer comes up, and you have to go save a kid that's in the house. Um, this is pretty tough when you're just by yourself, and if you didn't spend. If you spent the minimum amount of time with Celis in the beginning, she could be pretty underpowered at this point, and this could be really, really hard. Yeah, and there are also um, a couple of enemies in, in here that can just cast break on you and petrify you for you know no reason with no uh, with no recourse really. Uh, that happened to me a couple of times, and it caused me to have to reload. Right, which which can be frustrating. Um, anytime you're by yourself in a Final Fantasy game, I think two is the the party minimum for Final Fantasy, where like you have one person who can heal the you know heal everybody. And one person that can attack. And if you can never not do both those things. And this is also like a neat little story bit, too, because the reason that this house is falling down, contrary to popular belief, it isn't because Saban decided he just would try to lift it as a feat of strength. <laughs> um, it's because Kefka, as he sits up on the tower, he's just kind of like bored. And anybody who opposes him, much like uh, much like that one episode of The Twilight Zone with that uh, psychic little boy, uh, mm. anybody who opposes him, he just, you know makes natural disasters happen to their town and just levels them. Right, right. Um, after after you get uh, rescue the kid, uh, Sabin will join you. And, uh, you know, that kind of... And, and everybody kind of... So when we say it's it's open, it is open. It does give you hints, though, kind of throughout. Each person, for at least the first half of this, this half of the game, leads you to another person indirectly. Uh, once you get the airship, you don't have to go in that order, but everyone will be like, hey, I heard that you know, blah, 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 is that blah, blah, blah. Or, or you know, there there's a, a group of the... That's what happens next, right? Or do you go visit Terra next? Uh, you can go visit Terra. Um, you do not have to, though. Right, and you can't acquire her yet. Yeah. No. Because no. I, did, I did do that. Um, I went and uh, and visited Terra. Um, she's been living in a, a village where all of the... Is this Moblas? Yes, Moblas. Or is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, all of the adults have died. So the, the children have, have kind of become this Lord of the Flies-esque underground society um, where, where might makes right and the sweetest prize is the flesh of your neighbor. Um, that's, that's not true. They're, they're just uh, living, you know, under uh, – and Terry's kind of taking care of them. Um, so and, – and she does not want to join you. So that was really surprising to me when I first – when that first happened. You know, I, I came and visited her and I thought maybe she had retired when I was young and played this part. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, you, well, I don't get her for the second half. And for a moment, I actually thought that I was going to be introduced to a new set of characters for the second half of the world. That I would have a couple of characters who carried on, but some people would be dead, some people would be retired, and I would get new characters. 
which didn't turn out to be the cho- the the case and I'm fine that it wasn't but I remember you know at I don't know 15 or 14 when I first played this game really thinking that that's right because it's a whole new world map you you assume that you're going to have whole new characters um mm-hmm. there's a very I mean I liked what they did with Terra like plot wise in this just because the reason that she just you know says hey I can't leave she, you know she's lost the will to fight because, you know, for the first half of the game, she was kind of the typical Final Fantasy protagonist with some kind of, you know, emotional angst. Um, in this case, like, I can't feel anything. I don't have any emotions. What am I? You know, like that kind of thing. But when she, you know, basically has people to protect and she has, you know, like kind of a reason to feel something that approximates, the you know, the, the, the feeling of, of, of love, you know, her love for these people, her children, it, it really... The, the the notion of like motherhood and like some kind of like family or, or, or you know like filial loyalty that's not something that's played with in video games a lot and I, you know playing back through it now uh, I I really feel like they they turned something that was like a bad character point or a bad plot point into something that was you know kind of much more textured than I initially uh, supposed it would be yeah that's a, that's a great point and I think that I think you're on to onto something and you also I mean you made the point we'll we'll explore this with with kind of each character but all of the characters you know, in this last year that, that we missed are kind of searching for something either from their past or some kind of definition that's missing. And uh, that's really strong thematically, and it just kind of keeps coming back. It's really interesting in the face of, you know, literally, you know, a world where the past has been, you know, almost destroyed. You know, if, if you want to get English major on this this game, you can. And it's, uh, you know, this idea that, you know, almost quite literally a drawing or a drawing a line has been drawn, you know, under the past by this this kind of cataclysmic event, and it's tempting for everyone to kind of retreat into their memories. Um, but that's not, you know, not the way. And everyone kind of comes to that conclusion on their own. And and of all the places where that kind of theme could pop up, you, you know, you would expect it to be, you know, somebody to say, to just come out and say it, like, wow, it really seems like all of us are kind of trying to hide in our past and take, you know, take comfort in things that were because none of it's there anymore. You you would think that they would like try and underline it because it does seem like a really potent, uh, a really potent through line throughout this half of the game but there's just an npc in miranda who says something and i sent this to you in email in an email she says you know the sources of people's misery always lie in their past lost friends families and homelands those are the things that torment people the most and that's that's where everybody goes that that wraps it up in a nutshell you know right right final fantasy games are weird for you know for when you when you start kind of looking at them in a literature way or an interpretive way because they they do have these kind of overarching themes that are sometimes very strong. It's just they don't always articulate in a really obvious way. Um, there's an essay floating around somewhere, and if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes, about how Final Fantasy IX is about death in all of its forms. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really convincing. Like, I think that is, that's what they are going for. I didn't pick up on any of that when I was playing it because <laughs> of, you know, it's a 60-hour tap the A button to fight random encounters RPG. But they definitely do kind of set their sights on on these kind of things. And that's I think that's part of why these games resonate with people. Mm-hmm. You know, even after you've kind of grown up as, as, a, as a gamer and you're no longer... The gameplay doesn't maybe grab you and the, the story seems simplistic once you've read a few books. The, uh, you know, there, there is something there. And just it being... It's probably the first time those kind of themes were presented in this medium to most people, I think. Right. And, you know, I take issue with you know especially like the very last part of the game like 
you know, what kind of themes and, you know, things like that come through. I, I really wish that they would have taken this and run with it and had put it in the four because what they ultimately settle on as like the moral of the game um, is uh, uh, it's a cop out, Gary. It's a cop out. Well, it, I think, I think they just, they, what they do is they choose a, a less sophisticated idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but in the end, when, when everyone's presenting uh, their reasons to fight to, to Kafka, um, you know, it's all family and friends, right? You know, and 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 that's not a really profound point. You know, that life is about family and friends. <laughs> you know, um, this idea that you actually have to move forward is a little bit stronger. Yeah. Um, but they do touch on it, which I'll I'll give them some credit for, yes. even though I wish they would have. You know, that, that's a recurring theme in, in the games we do, where we find something really neat and then the game doesn't do enough with it. So, you know, kind of in the in the cast of, you know, misfit toys trying to find their past again, you know, you eventually run across somebody who looks a lot like Edgar, you know, who is leading an excursion yeah. of thieves to find the uh to to find the uh ruins of Figaro Castle, which is trapped in the substrata of of the earth. And also his name conveniently anagrams to Edgar, you know, Jared is his yeah. name. Yeah. And, you know, for for as rapey as Edgar is, you know, he is noble to a fault, you know, which is it's it's almost like, why are you such a good guy? He's he's going to save his kingdom and to save, you know, and to, and to save his countrymen who are trapped. It's, it's a kingdom you know? full of, of rapables. Like it is an entire <laughs> kingdom, kingdom full of prey. Yeah, it's a, it's a kingdom full of women to impregnate. So so, you know, um, yeah, he, or, or it's just this real serious moral blind spot. He's he's on the spectrum. Like so, <laughs> yeah. I love your I euphemism for being for being autistic. He's on the spectrum. I like that. Yeah, he's, he's somewhere on there. <laughs> it leaves it nice and open to inter interpretation. Yeah. Um. So so this is kind of fun. Uh, one thing that's nice about this is you get to go in the little like mechanical area under the ship. You know, when you when you first uh, get the the or not the ship, the castle. When you first go there, there's a, an old man who will stop you from going down this one set of stairs. And I always wonder what was down there. And now I know it's a bunch of machinery and everything that allows this kind of technological miracle to uh, to happen. And as it turns out, the reason why it stopped is because it's got some tentacles in the works. So you had trouble with the tentacle fight, didn't you? Yeah, it's tough. I think this fight's really hard. It's kind of it's a really interesting fight because it gets easier as you go on, not uh, not harder. It starts out with four of the, these monsters, and as you if you concentrate on one, are able to kill it, the the fight just becomes a lot easier. But they all have different elemental strengths and weaknesses. And all of them can neutralize one of your party members or two of your party members actually um, at a time. So you can you can be fighting this solo because um, you can only have three characters at this point. So I thought this was really tough. I don't know if, if you had the same experience. I didn't, but that could have been a fluke. There are some there are lots of bosses that I had a lot of problems with. But at this point, I wasn't I wasn't leaning on magic that much, um, to be entirely honest. And the like the, the the biggest problem I could see for me is I can never target a single enemy with a spell. I always have to do target all because the fights go on for way too long. Um mm -hmm. so I could I could have definitely seen it being really hard if I was just inadvertently healing one of them with everything that I did. Right. What what I, I ended up doing was was throwing out a an ice spell and seeing who was weak against it. Oh, yeah. And then just concentrating on on them until I got them from dead. But it was still very difficult. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is once you get this done, you get, get Edgar back and you're getting something resembling a full party. And we just have one more, one more person to gather before we can, it actually, the world totally opens up. Yeah. So with the tentacles gone, the 
castle can kind of continue along its path over to uh, Kalingan. Um, I assume that's how you pronounce it. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where mm-hmm. you uh, you meet Setzer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Setzer has given up hope. It doesn't take too much to convince him. You kind of just tell him, hey, don't give up hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and he uh, he remembers that he had a, a, a girlfriend um, back in the past before you met him who has another airship. And this is convenient because you're going to need an airship um, to, to continue the game. And you go to, to her tomb where uh, he has restored her airship after it's been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of a fun little dungeon. There's like a nice little bit of puzzle uh, puzzles in this. You spend a lot of time in this game ro- riding around on turtles' heads. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that, that that came back. But, Friendly little turtles. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they'll, they'll do whatever you need them to do if you stand on them. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a thing where you have to put the world is square uh, backwards into a tombstone to get a really powerful item. And that's something that happens a lot in the world of ruin. The ru- world of ruin is all about really powerful items. Oh yeah. Um, and it's not overpowered. I mean, you you need them to to continue. But this is where you start really being equipped with with cool shit. This is where I started feeling powerful in the game. And um, and it's also where like your relics become a way to differentiate your party. You know, your party members. You know, after we spent a lot of time talking about like, oh, all the party members are the same, et cetera, et cetera. Last time, you, you know, I I played the second part with that in mind. And kind of realizing that a there are some relics that make your you know take what you can already do and make it even better, um, and there are some that give you like entirely new abilities. Um, so like the, the item that you get this time is the growth egg, uh, which I forget what it's like the exp egg in the old version, uh, but it gives you double experience, so you can actually keep you know a low level person in your party and have them catch up to you, uh, which is a way to make sure that everybody stays balanced. Um, yeah. Right. So, so after you fight a, a fairly tough boss at the at the end of this this bit, um, you know it's it's a good you know runic is really good for the the whole kind of first half of this world of ruin. Uh, I found a lot of enemies that use magic, um, but when, once you get past his name is Dolahan, after you get past him, you get an airship, and the world is open to you now. You you hear a hint, um, you you find like a carrier pigeon that leads you to to Mount Zozo or to the town Zozo, but you don't have to do that. Um, so I did. I, I went there. Went there next because uh, the game was kind of leading me that way. But you can do anything at this point. So we're going to kind of tackle these in an arbitrary order, starting with Zozo. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so Zozo. Um, you know, it's the same. What this is kind of a dropped ball. I felt like when when you go to Zozo and you're in the town, it's the same. You know, you can you open up a new dungeon behind the town, but you still have to deal with the random encounters that are leveled to when you first arrived. And at this point, they're just a nuisance. Like, they're not tough. None of these monsters are tough anymore. They should have just turned them off yeah. at this point. Or had tough, you know, new tough monsters that moved into town. <laughs> you kind of have to do this annoying, you know, you have to do this arbitrary, go get a can of oil to open a door to open up this new dungeon. And uh, Which I forgot that you had to do. I climbed to the top of that hotel tower or whatever. Me too. Got to the rusty door. I had to climb all the way. Or no, actually, I teleported out and then, you know, I had yeah. to do it all over again. Well, that, that tower is not that bad. I went to the same place where we first met uh, Rama, Rama, um, you know, where, where Tara was laying down in that bed. Mm-hmm. Because I figured, like, that was, like, you know, the, the safe zone in the area. Something, you know, maybe somebody's living there. If I had to be stuck in Zozo in the world of ruin and needed to hide from all the hill giants and shit, I'd be in that room. It's, you know, but uh, and there, there's, you know, you get up there and there's nothing up there. There's not even, like, an Esper lying on the floor or a Magicite, which would be, you know, would make sense. Like, a lot of times if you revisit areas in this game. Um, you, you can find a, a, a magicite, but there, there's no reason to go up there. They should have just made that door locked. You know, it, it seems like they, they paid no attention to the actual town on your way to Mount Zozo. Right. 
Well, you know, it it's it's a nice it's a little it's a nice little message though. Like, hey, if some place is already a hellhole, it can't get any worse. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, in in Mount Zozo, in that dungeon, uh, you run in your into the first of the eight dragons. Um, there are eight dragons that are have taken over. Uh, you know, the world. They haven't taken over the world, but there are spread throughout the world. And uh, you get a you get something powerful. You defeat all of them. This is the first one you run into. I was not tough enough to fight him when I ran into him at this time. And on this run, I did not kill all of the dragons. Nor did I've I. done in the past, but not this time. Yeah. Did you fight the storm dragon this time? Um, I fought him this playthrough. I didn't find him. I didn't fight him when I first got to him. Um, you know, I, I kind of went back after, you know, after I had leveled everybody up and I'm just kind of like, okay, let's, let's go and, you know, kill all these things while they're trivial. Uh, the, the only dragon that I didn't kill this time uh, was the red dragon. Cause I didn't feel like going back through that dungeon. Um, yeah, yeah, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that one. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I like the white dragon, uh, one though, because it's, it's one that you almost invariably have to do hasted. Um, and right. th that's kind of like, oh, the, it's impossible if you don't know to do this, but once you figure it out, you can, you can kind of hang, you know? Right. Um, and sharing this cave, uh, with the, the storm dragon is, uh, Cyan. This is where, where Cyan has been living. And pretty interestingly, um, there was a girl who was send, sending love letters to to her boyfriend, who was an imperial soldier. Was he what was he in Mobles? What town was he in? He was in Mobles. And not that it matters. Yeah, Mobles. Um, and and Cyan knew that he had died, but she kept sending letters. So he started writing letters back as the the dead boyfriend, so she would think he was still alive. Which is kind of and uh, making silk flowers to, to send her, which is kind of like a romantic like. Kind of a nice idea. Yeah. And especially how ashamed he is, like once once you find out, or once once he knows that you know what's up as he goes around and he's like saying, No, no, hey, how's it going? How's this year been to you? He's hiding all the flowers and stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. So it's nice. And you get Cyan back and then you can put him on the airship and never talk to him again, which is what I did. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. You get to you get to ride around here for the rest of your life mm -hmm. until I'm forced to use you at the end. Uh, and and and, and same, yeah, it's the same thing. I went to uh, to go get Gao, and I was like, "Welcome, welcome to your new life, Gao." And I'm, <laughs> I'm never going to let you gain a, a point of experience. You get to, to you're, it's a you know it's it's almost like an alternate history for Gao. Like Gao got you know you you can find out Gao's history. You can take him to <clears throat> the the old man in the 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 shed who who was his father, who's crazy. So so you find out his backstory. He threw Gao out onto the uh, onto the veld. And, and abandoned him. And uh, you go through this whole, um, what is that that old story where it's like, I bet I can make a gentleman of this person in five days. Oh, the like, Pygmalion. What is, what is that basic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you do that with him. You take him to uh, to Dijor to, to and you dress him up. Um, and it's like a, like a comedy scene. Like it's it's everyone being goofy. Um, you, you eventually give him the, the Kenpogi, which is a, a piece of armor. Uh -huh. I like how the armor shop just sells armor for clothing too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 you go in to present him to his father, and his father still rejects him. Um, and then he spends Aww. the rest of his life locked up in a in an airship, which which <laughs> is opposed to a basement, which is where I would have locked him up if I if I would have given birth to him. <laughs> well, I mean, let's so. let's be fair here. They're basements or attics. That's where the feral children belong. Yeah, exactly. You want to know something exactly. embarrassing, get, Gary? I didn't know that you could. You do have that. a feral child in your basement? Uh, oh. <laughs> in my attic. <laughs> I'm not a barbarian. Okay. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, I didn't know that you could do that. I didn't oh, know that was yeah, a thing it, that you could have Gao do. Yeah, it's kind of well, probably because you immediately put Gao on the airship, like everyone. But <laughs> since I was right there, you have to make room in your party to get Gao because you don't have to do anything. You just do the same thing you got you do after he did a, uh, you know, a rage. Mm -hmm. 
uh, thing. So I, I just had him join my party and went over to the the father. And the father's kind of funny. Like he thinks you're a repairman. Yeah. And uh, you know, Sabin gets it. Sabin's real weird. He's like really condescending to Gao, and then gets really mad when the father won't accept him. <laughs> like he he comes off like a real idiot meathead in the scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice little Easter egg. There's no, you know, he doesn't get his ultimate weapon from it or anything. Yeah. It's just kind of like a little scene you can watch. So, um, also in this, in this area, you can get, uh, you can get shadow back if you chose to, uh, if you chose to save him. Right. You go, th- you go through a cave and if you chose to save shadow, um, either way you run into interceptor interceptors at the entrance of this cave. If you chose to save shadow, shadow is there. If you did not, then realm is there and interceptor has been protecting realm. Um, but you get, you get back one or the other one. And at this point, this is the first time you permanently get Shadow. Right. Well, uh, wait, I jumped the gun. You don't get Shadow. You save Shadow, and oh, he immediately yeah. runs off to the Coliseum. Correct. Yeah. Right. The, the guy in the world of, of balance who is talking about how he wants the whole world to, to be full of war and, and everything, he gets his dream. And it, it's, it's pretty hilarious Like when you eventually go there because <laughs> you know that's what he says. He's like, this is a world meant for me. It's combat. ha, ha, ha. And uh, he's just running this this, this business. Uh, he's hired Altros, who's a giant octopus, to be his his front desk receptionist. And uh, it's kind of a, a mini game where you can you can put up items and fight a one on one, auto controlled, very annoying battle at, for a chance to get a better item. Yeah, I and didn't. Uh, if you put up a certain item, you get shadow. I didn't do that. I mean, I got I got shadow, obviously, because um, he's the best character in the game. No, I got shadow. Clearly, it's the Uber tier. <laughs> <laughs> um i got i got shadow back um but then i i didn't do it but this is where i kind of noticed that final fantasy 7 is final fantasy 6 dog yeah it is <laughs> yeah like has the has the coliseum like a lot of the music is very similar i just it, i don't know it's it's one of those things where i played these in entirely the wrong order and uh i was like wait they were no it's a it was re, it was a reverse time thief ripoff you know right yeah well. <laughs> The uh, one of our our Facebook friends uh, posted a, a JPEG that we should put in the show notes that kind of underlines that point. That's the the design document from Final Fantasy VI with just selected words crossed out to make it sound like Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> and uh, it's really it's really pretty good. I, I forgive me for for not having your name right right at the tip of my tongue, but we'll give you credit in the show notes and everything. It is a, it is a good uh, good find. Yes. <laughs> Most assuredly, um, yeah. So you get Shadow back, and you know I didn't do much of anything with him because he didn't have a place in my in my main party, which uh, is a practice that you, you know it's a practice, Gary, that does not help you in this game at all. You know, some people like Gao, you can safely ignore. Um, you know, you can safely only... ignore everybody you want to, though, and <laughs> and that's what's gonna. That's probably my biggest beef with this section of the game. We'll talk about it in the frustration section, but. Yeah. That last dungeon is a nightmare God. because there's there's no incentive other than that dungeon. There's no incentive to level up your characters evenly. If you decide to, it's going to be a huge time sink. And if you don't, it's very difficult. Yeah. And so. uh, that's what happened to me is I, I assembled my my end game party and everyone else. I just wanted to get them for completeness and wanted them on the airship yeah. and forgot about how tough that ending is and how you're forced to use everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So after you get uh, after you get shadow back i think you can go and do it at this point because you have the you have the weapon that he uh that he mm-hmm. was looking for an instant death uh ninja sword that will be useless to you in 80 percent of the places that you go to yeah and, and god save you if you sell it like there's <laughs> there's nothing really to indicate that you shouldn't sell it so yeah. if you uh if you do you're, you're kind of screwed out of shadow yeah oh. um if you decide to do kind of an interesting you know weird pre-psychonauts ask psycho psychonauts type thing you can go <laughs> take cyan and take into doma castle and uh 
take a take a little nappy poo um, next to the throne room and uh, go into Cyan's mind, I guess. Yeah, you, you incept him into, into his brain. I, I've done this every other playthrough. I didn't do it this time because I was a little pressed for time. Yeah. And I had no no use for Cyan. I know you got a weapon for him. I forgot that. I looked it up later. I forgot that you get a really powerful Magicite for doing this. But I was like, oh, there's no material reward. I don't feel like doing it this time. Yeah. I forget, um, I forget what, what Magicite do you get for it? Um, Alexander. Oh, yeah. That's a really good one, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful. So I missed out on that this playthrough. But I've, I've done it before. I remember it being a lot of, like, floating platforms and tricky bosses. But did you play yeah. through it this time? Why don't you talk about it a little bit? I did play through it. Um, you're right. It is the, you know, floaty platform dream kind of area. You do fight uh, the three dreams dudes or something like that. Yeah. Which uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a uh, redux of the uh, Magus sisters from Final Fantasy IV. You know, they have mm-hmm. like the, they have the Delta attack and they all kind of have their different strengths and the order in which you take them out is really important. Um, that was a, mm-hmm. that was a, a, a neat little fight I thought. Um, and then it kind of culminates in a really interesting kind of puzzle boss, uh, with Rexol, which is the demon that is kind of like feeding off of Cyan's, uh, sorrow over the loss of his family. Um, and Rexol, his little gimmick is he can, uh, possess one of your characters and there is actually like no indication of like which one he's hiding inside. So in order to proceed with the fight, you have to systematically kill each of your party members until he pops back out. Mm. Which yeah. yeah, it's a bit much. The entire area is really long too. Like it's a it's it's a two-stage dungeon. Um kind of like the uh, the ancient castle a little bit later except not as like cool as the ancient castle. Yeah. Um but the bosses are neat, so that's fine. I remember liking it, but again, I just for reasons I said I didn't go to it this time. Yeah. But it's a nice little and it wraps up his backstory nicely, which is, you know, getting closure on his family. Um, so, so after that, you can head to Dodor and uh, do H.P. Lovecraft's Final Fantasy VI, pretty much, <laughs> where, where you go through uh, Auser's house, who is the the, the wealthy uh, wealthiest person in town, and do this really weird horror story kind of, uh, you know, it re- felt really Lovecrafty to me, um, this side quest where you get Realm back. Um, you go into a house, um, you find uh, Auser's diary, where he talks about, um, you know, he's been buying these paintings, trying to find an artist that can, you know, truly capture things. You know, the paintings feel kind of alive. Um, you know, he eventually finds one who, who's worthy, but his, you know, his house is dark when you find it. Um, you know, it has this real like ghost story, you know, coming across this horror story after it's already over <laughs> kind of feeling. And, uh, you know, at least thematically, I really liked this part. Um, gameplay wise, it was a little bit frustrating this is the first dungeon I remember where they do a thing where you have to choose between two doors and one of the doors just sets you back in the dungeon. <laughs> like it's just a shoot and just makes you do something over again. Not fun. Not like fun. It's, it's a punishment. I hate it. Not fun. <laughs> you know, not fun at all. It's a, it's a punishment and it's not like there are even any clues that would, you know, let you know not to take that door. And, you know, every step you take, like you can get into a, a random encounter two steps after a random encounter. Yeah. Really so many dumb. random fucking encounters in this game. God. Um, but, uh, um, this, this demon has also turned Dowser into the world's last hut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it makes him look real, you know I, I think, know, I think that's just how he is. Cause he's like a big rich dude. So 
He's a yeah. He's, he's, he's a succumbed to a to a life of indolence and um and uh yeah. It's easier to fit a camel through the eye of a needle than it is to fit a rich fat man through the eye of a needle. Um, <laughs> is how the old saying goes, I think. Um, but but you fight at Chadner uh, Chatternook is the name of the Eldritch monstrosity that has possessed this painting. And uh, it's a really cool boss fight because he, he's got two different forms, like an angel and demon form. And depending on which one he takes, he kind of switches back and forth freely. And depending on which one he does, uh, he has very different strategies are effective. And and there's a naked lady. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's yeah well, that's, that's the other part is total fat fuel. This is, <laughs> this is the part of, of Final Fantasy VI that you add to the spank bank. Cause <laughs> that's, yeah. Um, uh, don't masturbate to games. Don't do that. Um, don't do don't, that, yeah, please. Yeah, never do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but this, uh, th- this is one of those notable places uh, where that whole, hey, don't attack him while, while he's in a shell part comes back. Because uh, you, can, you can do fine if you don't attack the, attack the pretty sexy lady. Um, but if you attack her, you're in a world of shit. Yeah, not only, I mean, and she's tough, but she also has like trillions of hit points. Yeah. Like I attacked her because I, I forgot that I wasn't supposed to. And you can win it, but it takes forever. It's like it's such a long, grueling battle, really resource intensive. Yeah. And then the reward is a little girl that's going to live on your airship for the rest of your life. <laughs> so <'cause laughs> I didn't, didn't end up using her either. So God. why are we working yeah. to get these people back? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, you know. Let's uh, just go train in that forest that looks like a dinosaur and then just go take on Kefka on our own. <laughs> you know, come on, dudes. <laughs> So, um, so you, so you get realm back and, uh, you, I, I, I assume leave Bowser in the, in the cellar to die of starvation, uh, in about four months. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, if he, he's going to end up killing himself or end up in a sanitarium after this. <laughs> Those true. are the only two, two solutions, uh, for the end of that, that story. I love so. the way you smile at me, baby. <laughs> oh man. Um, so after this, um, I, f- I forget like what the, what the trigger is for you being able to get Terra uh, back into the uh, back into the fold. Yeah, that, that's what what I did with this. I decided that I wanted Terra in my final party, so I uh, I decided to head back to Mobiles, but I don't know exactly what triggers it either. Yeah, so you go back there and um, you find out that some things have been happening. Um, the, the the two older teenagers uh, they've been knocking boots, and uh, one of them is pregnant, and Terra is off taking care of her and the, and the dude just, you know, doesn't know what the fuck. Um, but you know, while you're kind of trying to unravel this drama, um, the monster that you fought off earlier, uh, Humbaba or Funbaba, depending on what translation you're playing, uh, it comes back and, uh, he's about mm-hmm. ready to mess stuff up. So, ah, oh, gosh, I forget exactly how this shakes out. Is this where she jumps in and, um, helps you fight them off? Or, yeah, you can, um, you, you have to win the battle. Um, it's not like one of those battles where you can, you're destined to lose, but at a certain point, uh, fun Baba just does that, that sneeze attack and knocks your characters out of the fight. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, she tries, she goes, you know, Esper mode and joins the fight. And then you're able to actually take a, a real shot at him. Right. Um, and, and the, you know. you know, the kids, they, they don't really know what to make of their, of their mama being some kind of, you know, half beast person, cat lady, fetish fuel, as you said. Right, right, but eventually they they recognize that she's still the same old same old Tara and and you know embrace her and everything and that is her kind of impetus to understand that you know she's 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 worthy of this kind of love and that she needs to protect these people who do accept her and to do so she has to be proactive she has yeah. to go actually take the fight to Kafka because yeah. these kind of monstrosities are going to keep 
showing up as long as he's in control of the world. And, and it's and it's interesting because they talk about, you know, like Humbaba, he's one of these ancient beasts that dwelled in the center of the earth until Kepler yeah. kind of rent it in twain and, you know, brought all of them out, including all of the dragons, too, which, again, Final Fantasy VII, uh, you know, quickly redid yeah. with, the, uh, with the weapons. Right. And I, I always thought Fumbaba came from the ocean because before you fight him, your characters always run up to the shore and then yell at it. And I, it seemed like it made, I expected him to be a sea monster when he first showed up, but he's just kind of this like fat demon thing. Um, but, uh, after this, so I, at this point I had had my, my party complete. I decided to go with Sela's Terra and then Sabin and Edgar. I'd never used Sabin in my earlier playthroughs because his, his blitz while very powerful, I couldn't pull them off, um, you know, consistently enough. But this time, since I figured out that, that pro tip that like any diagonal that you have, you can use either of the directions, you know, so for diagonal upper right, you can use up or right. I went to, uh, his master's, uh, shack, um, up by Anarsh and they, he, he'll teach you his ultimate, his ultimate blitz. And if you, if you know this alternate way of entering it, it becomes that you can do it every time. Yeah. And it's insanely overpowered. Like this was very early in the game and I was doing 8,000 damage um, with this attack. So that is how he earned a place in my party. This playthrough. <laughs> he proved himself. I'm ready for the big yeah, time. Fi- yeah, finally. Whereas before I'd always, I always ditched him for somebody who did ranged, you know, ranged attacks yeah. um, or for a, a pure mage. But, but this time I, I kind of like thematically having the two uh, Edgar and Sabin on the same team. If, uh, oh yeah, definitely the, the whole Romulus and Remus yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, I like, uh, uh, Sabin, he kind of became my go-to, like everybody dies button because I, I actually mm. managed to, I put, uh, this time I put the Genji glove and the, uh, master scroll slash offering on him. So he would mm-hmm. be doing eight hits of about 4,000, you know, damage a piece on, on, on people. Um, and that would, that, you know, if I was able, if I was able to have him the entire time through Kafka's, uh, final dungeon, uh, my playthrough would have been much shorter than it actually ended up being. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's when we talk about those relics you get, you, um, if you give somebody that, that combination, you can pretty much turn any character into pretty effective. Yeah. Um, with that, which is a nice kind of lifesaver. This time when I did the final dungeon, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but yeah. when I did the, the final dungeon, instead of putting that on one of my main damage dealers, my, my main four characters I kept with magic. And one of my scrubs that I hadn't been leveling up, I gave that combination to. Oh. So they could still dish out some damage. So it kind of gave me an extra useful character, since that's useful on anybody. So uh, so after you've gathered everybody up like this, you have most everybody except for the optional characters. Um, you can go and effectively take on the Phoenix Cave. Um, tell me, is is there any kind of indication that the Phoenix Cave is a thing and where you can find it? So if you go and you talk to the old man in the basement where Locke is keeping his his dead girlfriend, his coma girlfriend, um, Rachel. He says something about, um, he said he was going to go off and look for the world's greatest treasure, like something that has power over death, and it's in a five-pointed star. Oh. And the mountain range that the Phoenix Cave is looks a little bit like a star. It's not a direct hint. I just happen to know where it was. But <laughs> that's where, that's how you can find out. Right about it i was i was just wondering because i you know i knew the story and i found that guy you know say saying okay he's off in this i don't remember the the, the star clue you know so. yeah i mean unless i'm misremembering misremembering it that's what i i think yeah is is the case that he mentions that i might be wrong yeah but 
yeah, regardless of which you go into this this dungeon, this is kind of like a training dungeon for the last one because you have to set up two different parties and it's a you know a switch based dungeon. One party advances a little while, the second party has to come and, and flip a switch to allow them to continue and then they kind of trade back and forth. And it's full of, you know, a lot of the undead enemies or undead esque enemies from the uh, from the seal or the cave to the sealed gate. Uh, which makes it incredibly frustrating, uh, at least for me, in the way that I have that you know that I had my party rolled. Right, and it, and you know we've we've talked about this, but puzzles and random encounters are a bad combination. Whenever you you put them together, and this this cave was no no exception. This was pretty pretty frustrating, pretty irritating little little dungeon, pretty long too. Yeah. Um, but it, but eventually you get through it. You find uh find Locke, and uh, he's been looking for this Phoenix Magicite because he wants to be able to bring people back to life. So not only is he going to try to do that for story purposes, but you also get this magicite, which is an incredible uh, item, incredible power. Yeah, that's the that was the required magicite for everybody that I had in my party. Because not only does it give you Kiraga, um, it gives you the best uh, raise from dead spells. So and and fire three yes. that really so it's offensive and defensive, which usually they don't mix. Mm-hmm. So um, and it, yeah, it's that like that next level of uh, magicite. Like near the end, I was just kind of swapping the, this like seven really good magicites between <laughs> my four people to make sure they all knew everything I was going to use to break the game for bosses at the end. <laughs> exactly. um, so, so, uh, but this this one is definitely good. It's not that useful to use. Like I never actually summoned Phoenix. I just wanted the spells from it. Um, but uh, the 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 post Phoenix Cave like story bit with uh, with Locke and uh, his girlfriend Rachel. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a pretty neat little scene. You, you know, he brings her back for just enough, for just enough time to kind of have her say, you know, go on with her, you know, go on with your life, et cetera. Um, and some awesome music too. Right. I, li- I like that song a lot. I'm, I will definitely cut it into this episode. I like how she's not saying, you know, she's not just saying move on or just saying like, I forgive you. Cause he has this guilt complex about failing her. Uh, she says, thank you. Like she says, you know, uh, it, everything that you, you know, you enriched my life, you know, as opposed to apologizing or just absolving him. Like it, it seems kind of more personal and a little bit smaller yeah. uh, of a statement. And I really like that as well. With with Locke back in your party, you can actually make a crack at Narsh now. Why you would ever want to go back to Narsh after the first half of the game, you know, it's up to you. But there's some pretty cool <laughs> and, stuff there. Um, yeah. So in case you're wondering what's going on in Narsh, which I, <laughs> I know you after after I got to the floating continent, I was just like, man, when am I going to get back to Narsh? <laughs> I can't wait to see what happened to that town. Um, and it's a it's another dungeon town. It's it's a ghost town where where monsters live there instead of people. Yeah. And uh, but you can get some neat gear and you can get a couple of characters. Um, you, uh, you can find there's a guy holed up in the weapon shop who, uh, you know, if you have lock, he can unlock the door and, uh, you can get the, the Ragnarok Esper, which teaches you Ultima. Um, correct. Yes. That's yeah. That one does Ultima. And that's, you know, the, the game breaking spell. That is how I got through the end of the game without grinding. (laughs) So, uh, that's very, very powerful. And, uh, you can also find Mog. Um, this is where he's at regardless of whether you got him in the world of balance. But uh, the one twist is if you he's and he's just hanging out in his mog where mogs usually live like he's not his life doesn't seem to have changed very much. <laughs> um, 
But he mentions that there's a Yeti in the mountains and that if uh, if you run into him, Mog will will conscript him. It, very humorously, too. Uh, I always I always picture Mog as having like a like a Bronx accent. Like, hey, hey, buddy, <laughs> get out. <laughs> get, yeah. get, get big lug. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but you fight the original Esper, too. That uh, that first one that you're rating after in the uh, at the beginning. of the Yeah. Game. Yeah. Uh, originally, I always think of it as Tritok, but it's been changed to. Valagandamar, for, <laughs> for one reason or another, um, who is how you get those, those precious uh, fire, fireaga, boltaga, you know, spells, Yeah, which is cool. Um, this this time through, I fought Umaro, but I didn't have Mog in my party because I forgot to leave room for him where, where I went and recruited him. So I just fought Umaro, but I left him in, in his cave. He gets all sad and hugs his knees and I, I talk to him and he just, you know, he doesn't do anything. And I was just like, okay, have a nice life and, <laughs> and, con- and continued on. Um, yeah, but you if, can can get him there if you put him into your party. He's like uh, the the token berserker. You know, he'll just he'll, he'll attack people by picking up your other party members and throwing them at them. I I really liked him in previous playthroughs. Like I've always I've always gotten him in the past, and uh, and really liked him. He has he's really simple. Like it's kind of reduces the amount that you have to think because he has his own uh, custom made relics. You know that just change his abilities, but they're all automatic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually very useful for one of the end game dungeons coming up. Oh. Um, the Tower of Fanatics, but um, because but uh, I didn't get him this time. Right. So. Uh, pro tip also in this section: after you get Mog in your party, uh, examine the spot where he was standing, and you'll get an item that is either called the uh, the Moogle Charm, Mog's Charm, or the Malulu Charm. Uh, one of those three, and what that does is Mog is the only one who can equip it, but it will stop all random encounters, and yeah. the world rejoiced. I wish I had gotten that. I forgot that's where I where I got it. So I kept r- waiting to run into it later so I could just put it on Mog, but nothing nothing doing. <laughs> so ooh, I wish I I had that. That bad boy. It makes the last uh the last dungeon at least one third uh easier. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you can't put all your scrubs in one party in that because you do have to fight bosses. Yeah, so. I I made that mistake, Gary. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. But, uh, um. So there's there's one more optional character you can get in the uh, two well two more characters we haven't talked about but one more that's an optional character mm-hmm. um, in the upper right of the map there's an island shaped like a triangle and if you go to that you'll find a, a character named a, a land eater um, who who swallows your characters and the first time I saw that my 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 jaw was on the floor like because it it happened totally by accident oh, really? as far as I recall there's nothing hinting that it will happen. I just went to a triangle-shaped island and got swallowed by a worm. Like there was nothing, no reason for me to think I was going to get anything out of it. And I thought I was was headed for game over and ended up in a dungeon instead, which was awesome. A really cool dungeon uh, too. Yeah, yeah. Regrettably, I didn't do it this time as I, I was kind of pressed for time, but I played right. through it a few times, and it's it's always been a favorite of mine. Yeah, Gogo is a really neat character. Um, there there are a lot of kind of asinine internet rumors about you know, well, is Gogo Daryl? Well, it's General Leo. He's General Leo. He's General Leo. <laughs> He's General use, use ten green cherries on him. Yeah. <laughs> I love how I love how serious you are about that. No, no, for real, for real. Because <laughs> that's how video game logic works. Like use ten of some stupid fucking item on a, on a character, and it's gonna. That's not how video game secrets work. You know, usually not. You know. Um, oh, internet! I uh, <laughs> love the internet. Love yeah. the internet. Um, but Gogo's a good character uh, with kind of a kind of a dark secret. If you go into uh, his slash her status screen, you can assign any uh, action command that you want to him slash her, mm-hmm. to Shim. 
Uh, so you can yeah. have Shim, you know, throwing out lures and uh, doing blitzes and throwing items like I had uh, Shim doing, and uh, yeah, it was good. Doesn't do it as good as the you know as the main characters because because uh, 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 sure stats are uh, kind of you know middling, but uh, it's definitely right. neat to have her in that scrub party to uh, to uh, you know kind of wrap shore up. up some some weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're firmly into the optional content at this point. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's optional, but you do have to do some grinding. Like, oh, yeah. and and dungeon is tough. Like, I didn't do all of the optional content. I did most of it, and I still had to spend some time leveling up my guys. Um, so you can you can kind of round out um your party of original characters by going to the Tower of Fanatics. Um, kind of lore wise, this is really cool. Um, you know, you have this person who who pops up with all the powers of a god, and you're going to have people who worship them. Like I always like it in in literature or fiction where and this is a big thing in Lovecraft too like I'm a huge Lovecraft geek is something comes along that has actual demonstrable power and that causes people to worship it like a god regardless <laughs> of where it is on like the moral compass. So, you know, yes Kefka is evil, but he can actually do these things whereas the the god I've been praying to, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't do shit, you know. <laughs> so if if this one thing actually has power, that's worthy of my worship. And that that's a, a a theme that I've always really liked, and that happens here, where this whole cult opens up to Kefka, you know, because he's this weird like sky god who's throwing fire down from you know from on high. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you think of him as a god? <laughs> um, because for all intents and purposes, he is totally yeah totally. And this is where Strego has been hanging out for a year, walking around in like a long oval um, <laughs> with a bunch of people dressed the same. But if you if you show up with Realm, he will snap out of his trance. And uh, realize, oh, I've been, you know, wor- worshiping this false guy forever. I, for- I forget exactly how it goes. Did he lose hope because he thought that realm was lost forever, and like those two were yeah. just kind of tied together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a fugue state from from being sad. Yeah, but you can decide to climb this tower, and uh, you can discover probably one of the hardest uh, dungeons in the game, or at least one of the most uh, frustrating, because it takes away your ability to do anything except cast magic. Right. And you can, you can ameliorate that in a couple ways. Like, as I said, if you get, uh, Yumaro, he's not affected by that because you don't control him and he can never do magic. Right. So you can have one physical character active the entire time you're in the dungeon. You can also equip everyone with reflect rings, which I think is pretty much essential. Like, you kind of have to do that in this game. By this point, I was firmly committed to a, to heavy magic because that's, that's the, the win button in this game. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have too hard of a time with it, but it was definitely, there were definitely some frustrating monsters. Um, it's a very bland dungeon. It's just a set of staircases and, uh, the monsters are very tough and kind of like unimaginatively named. They're just magic level 10, magic <laughs> level 30, um, going up to, to level 90. Um, but it's really worth it to do it because the treasure you get at the end is, is, you know, my favorite item in the game, which is either the um, gem box or the soul of Thamasa, which, uh, allows you to dual cast which, uh, you know, used to be the, the sole purview of red mages. Right. Immensely powerful. Like this is how I, you know, I, I was kind of maybe a little under leveled for the end. And this is how I beat the, the end bosses with any character I could have, have this, this is how you beat them because you, you do something that reduces your, your magic cost. And then, uh, you know, Ultima quick, Ultima, Ultima, <laughs> Ultima, Ultima kills anything. And you can do it on the first turn. It kills almost every boss except for the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's five Ultimas in a row. So it's, you know, you cheese, cheese the enemies with 50,000 points of damage. And that is how I, you know, escaped a lot of grinding for this playthrough. Fun fact also, um, Ultima, uh, it uh, bypasses Reflect. 
Mm-hmm. And it's non-elemental. Yes. So it it can it can hurt everyone for for nine 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 pretty much. I don't have anything clever to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You can just segue into the next area. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the next area, which is which is my you know one of my favorite areas in the game, at least from a from a lore standpoint, uh, which is the ancient castle, and you would have no way to find this. Um, unless you knew to, uh, unless you knew to go to Figaro Castle and try to uh, travel uh, through the uh, through the sands again, um, it's pretty neat because you know you go back underground and you get caught um, on a piece of debris and you say, okay, well, do you want to keep going or do you want to go uh, check it out? You go through mm-hmm. the uh, through the through the dungeon and then you find yourself in this big cave that leads to like the the ruins of this ancient castle city that uh was uh, kind of a relic of the original war of the espers right this it was it is really neat it's kind of like they don't spend very much time showing you the world before the, this war that that takes place before the game and it's, it's they show like a lot of cutscenes, and it's this castle that has kind of grown to depend on this uh this odin esper as kind of their uh you know, is that, is that really really a weapon though? Because one of the the lore things is that you find the diary of the queen of this castle, mm-hmm. who was in love with Odin. So that's that's kind of interesting. And if you if you have Tara in your party, she does a little aside about how you know an Esper and a human in love. You know, she kind of gives a little you know taken aback by that, which right. is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, there are lots of neat little scenes of like the you know the opening salvos and the and the War of the Magi, which is kind of something you don't really hear a lot about, like you said. Um, and you get the Odin Esper, which itself isn't too terribly useful. You can learn Meteor from it, which I never did because you can immediately uh, upgrade it to Raiden, which is uh, immensely useful because it teaches you Quick. Right, Quick is the the second part of that game breaking formula with uh with Ultima that I had mentioned, and why Meteor is really redundant. I mean, you have enough. I you know if, once you have Ultima, like you have, and you have the the level three elemental spells, you have enough huge damaging spells. Yeah. You know, you don't, it caps out at nine, 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 nine. You don't need anything more like other than that. The one th- reason why, you know, to keep, uh, Odin would be that he levels up your speed. If you're paying attention to that, mm-hmm. I set out with this playthrough to pay attention to the stat growths on Esper's and that immediately fell by the wayside. Like I, I thought of it as a different way to play the game and it just, it's so counterintuitive to how I think, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I immediately turned him into Raiden because stat boosts, they're, they're pretty much invisible. Right. And they're, and they're small, you know, like a, a plus one in quickness for every level. I mean, I don't really know how much, you know, what's the, the norm. And there are, there are game facts out there that can tell you, but, um, I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't increase my utility. And that's always what I want when I'm leveling up. I want to be able to do more things rather than just be tougher or faster. It's so much better to chase a new shiny. If, if I, if this was like a pen and paper kind of thing where I was always doing the math and that extra point of speed would, you know, help me with an initiative role that might be a completely mm-hmm. different story but as it stands you always have to chase the new shiny right and it, and it, that extra point of speed will help you with an initiative role it's just invisible yeah and the the differences between you know going before one character and after a character are so incremental you know it would take several levels of equipping this this esper to uh to do that and you level up so slowly which we've already talked about so it's uh you know i i don't i forgive myself for not doing it at all yeah
So at this point, you have done pretty much everything in the world of Ruin except for uh, attack Kefka himself. Right, and this is this is definitely the hardest part of the game. This is a big difficulty wall because you had to split up your party into three, and uh, they all need to fight bosses. They all have tough random encounters, so you can't, you know, use your main party and then have you know two two sets of scrubs. It just doesn't work. So you end up having like one leader of each party, um, who's from your main party, and then just three people who have just been playing poker on a on a boat for <laughs> for most of the game. You know being asked to fight dragons and uh you know behemoths you know? so i as i mentioned before i made the i made the mistake i forgot that the third party has to fight a bunch of really difficult stuff so that was the party that had shadow and cyan and realm and mog in it uh, yeah <laughs> you know what what i did so to get through it is i had my one main character and and in two of my parties my first two i could kill everything pretty pretty well uh, my last party though which it, not only does it fight the hardest monsters but it that was the party I had Sela's leading, and uh, she just didn't have enough enough to her. Like she did not have the the soul of the Massa. You know, she could cast Ultima, she could cast Quick, but um, everyone else in her party was worthless. And the bosses you fight with her are so tough. Um, you get some end game equipment in this this tower, mm-hmm. which will kind of help a little bit. But if you haven't been leveling the you know a level twenty nine you know Cyan, who you know with an end game equipment still sucks yeah. and knows no spells. You know, really tough, really tough and really frustrating like this. I again, you know, I, I said it last time. It bears repeating. Everyone should have leveled up <laughs> when you gain levels. No reason not to do that. And it would have made this part of the game fun and tactical and manageable and reduced grinding. And I wouldn't have had to do this, this quick ultimate exploit and buy 99 ethers before getting on the, you know, getting onto the continent to uh, to do it. This is a problem that I have with a lot of Final Fantasy games. I'm going to be honest, and we're going to we're going to pull back and talk about the entire series. I'll get to the final dungeon, or I'll get to the final, you know, kind of like stretch of the game, the last disc, and then I'll just kind of like set it down. Final Fantasy X still not beaten because I got stuck uh, at the dungeon that's on uh, spoiler the back of sin. Um, final Fantasy VIII I didn't beat until 2006. Final Fantasy VII, it took me, like, uh, I put it down for about two years before I picked it back up again. In this one, it, it, it lets you fall into that same trap. It's like, you, you should have people feel empowered by this point. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not just it's not just about the, the power and the challenge level, which I agree is a big problem. It, it swaps challenge for annoyance at a certain point. Because, like, I feel like in, in Final Fantasy games and in JRPGs, bosses are where they shine. You know, as far as gameplay, yeah. like that's actually, you know, random encounters aren't meant to be really challenging. You know, they're meant to, I don't know, introduce you to some new concepts and allow you to, to get more powerful. Bosses are where you put that to work. And you have this last dungeon. It's an opportunity to, you know, there are a lot of bosses in this dungeon. All of them would be great if I had to fight them with people who I gave a shit about. <laughs> you know, it'd be really fun and really, you know, cool to do. Mm-hmm. But adding in that little wrinkle of having everyone come in together, you know, swaps challenge for annoyance. Yeah. And there are other ways that Final Fantasy games have done this. Um, a lot of times just through like the final dungeon architecture, like the last dungeons, you know, so Final Fantasy VIII, you know, you had to fight all of those bosses again and your ability, you unlock your abilities one at a time. Yeah. Crazy frustrating. Um, you know, a lot of times the architecture is just really bland and hard to navigate. Um, like Final Fantasy IX, you're just in this like floating spacosphere. Um, you know, it's, just, it's, they they fall apart kind of at the end when that should be where you're fighting new challenges that challenge you to to think in new ways about things you've already done, and they just very rarely do that. 
And uh, I agree with you. Like I, I, you know, when I was a super Final Fantasy fanatic, like I did beat them all as they came out up to up until ten, or up to ten, and including ten. But um, it was still that was definitely like when I've gone back to play them again, you know, it's usually you get through about disc two, and then it's like <laughs> ah, you know, once uh once Kuja's no longer the bad guy in Final Fantasy nine, it's just not as good, you know. And I love that game. Like I think the game is really good, but all my fondest memories are like disc one and disc two. Yeah, you know, so. But uh, you know, you fight, you fight uh, the the second Ultima or you know Adma, depending on the game. Um, you you fight the second one, and he you know gives you the big pre battle speech again, incongruous with literally everybody else in the game. Right. <laughs> and uh, right. He's, he's fun this time because he uh, he he can actually cast Ultima on you and uh, ruin your shit. That'd be like me casting Gary on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... The, uh, just, you know, after, and this is kind of like in, in general, one of the things I really like about this dungeon is it is a, uh, like a weird amalgamation of like the earth, which is kind of exploded into to rocks and crags and energy and stuff and the Imperial city. Mm-hmm. So there are little bits of it that, you know, you'll, you'll come through a cavern and end up in a, in a door that leads to the bathroom stalls, <laughs> which then when you leave those, you, you're in like another, just like, you know, psychotic floating continent scape. You know, so it, it kind of mixes those two things really interestingly. I was really hoping, like, at the at we get to the top and Kefka would be sitting on a chair made of the Emperor. Oh, like, wow. and, and, like I was just like, that'd be that'd be rad. That's dark. Hoping for that, <laughs> well, you know, but it, it it is dark. I'm yeah. a dark man. Cool. <laughs> um, the uh, so so after and there's lots of like kind of little puzzles and and helping your buddies through switches. Yeah. In in this section, but it's not it's not that noteworthy. It's very tough. Monsters are very tough. But ultimately, you, you do you do run into Kafka, and Kafka turns out he's been reading his Nietzsche. <laughs> yep, yep. Is <laughs> uh, what's what's the point of anything, you know? Um, so he wants to destroy all love, hope, and dreams, and uh, he quite he's you know he's kind of gotten like weirdly like a little less maniacal and a little bit more philosophical. Like it does seem like that's a that's a good uh, good way to put it. Yeah, because you know he's he's kind of perplexed by you. You know, you show up and and that makes sense. Like you're the first you know probably the first visitor he's had in a year. Mm-hmm. Other than like senior behemoths, and uh, <laughs> you would think that he would go crazier being, you know, an, a, a completely isolated person with ultimate power. But right, but he, he's got more introspective, and he he questions you why you're fighting, mm-hmm. and everyone says the same thing pretty much, you know, yeah. for friendship and for for uh, for loved ones. Yeah, and then says, you know what, I'm going to destroy it. Like, and what I like that the turn the turnaround when you say these are all the things I'm fighting for, and he's like, well, I'm going to destroy all of those things. You know, like this, this is your, your reason for living. I'm going to take it away from you. Yeah. You know, let's fight, which, you know, is, is suitably kind of badass. And, and, and you, you fight him and he's become a, like a tower of like muscle men and gods and like <laughs> demons. And like he is, he's an interesting sprite at the end. Yeah. I really like it. And it's it, one it, of my favorite pieces of Final Fantasy art, actually. Yeah, he's he's a it's a cool he's a really cool boss. He kind of the art style, especially I you know I think back to the the stage where it's all the men flexing. It's almost like like you know the uh, uh, birth of man kind of style art. Yeah. Like it's definitely trying to do this kind of like baroque, incredibly baroque, incredibly detailed, yeah. gigantic sprites. Um, right, and and it's kind of interesting. You get to instead of just choosing your party to fight him, you choose the order in which you want fight him so you you can line up all of your characters they all stand in a queue in order <laughs> to fight uh kafka and if uh after you beat each stage of him you move up to the next stage and anyone who's dead is gone and gets replaced by the the next person in line mm-hmm. and if you if you played like i did that that means you're fucked 
<laughs> so, so you need to make sure everyone is healed before you move to this next area because then you're going to end up with with Mog or Cyan and they're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. I loved this final battle. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm going to, to make a, a bold statement and say that from this final battle on to the actual end of the game, this is the best ending of a Final Fantasy game. Ooh. I guess it's not that bold of a statement because this is my favorite Final Fantasy game. <laughs> but the, the ending of this game is great. Uh-huh. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And this battle is really, really fun. And really like amazing. The music's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I agree with you. It is it is my favorite Final Fantasy ending. Do you do you know how long um Dancing Matt is? Seventeen minutes. Seventeen like minutes. 30, yeah. <laughs> which is which is the end of the name of the last song, which is, is like operatic, uh, you know. Um really, really nice song. And the battle lasts a long time too. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. It doesn't loop. Like unless you're really bad, it's not going to loop. <laughs> unless you're awful um, in video games. So, yep. Right. So Excellent, excellent emboss, and the, you know the uh, the the powers. You know, it's very powerful. You have to stay on your toes. Um, you know, even with my my exploiting, you know, I had to constantly be be resurrecting people, making sure they're alive for the next pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really, really fun, really great boss. Yep, I forgot how it uh, how it worked because I knew that you know you 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 chose the queue and people were replaced. I thought that after like a couple of rounds of being dead, they would be swapped out. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll instead of wasting resources reviving that person. I will just kind of wait for the next, you know, fresh fighter to come in. Mm. Um, and <laughs> uh, imagine my surprise when my party got wiped out. <laughs> right, so. right, right. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, you have to actually keep one person alive at least yeah. up until the next, uh, the next stage. But uh, you, you show Kafka that the, you know, it's it's the the, the the power of love and friendship, you know, friendship and teamwork it prevails. So, so after you uh, defeat, and, and before you, uh, we skipped something just kind of minor of importance. Um, before you defeat Kafka and you fight the, the three statues, oh, your characters yeah. kind of a- uh, agonize a little bit about what's going to happen to Terra. So they think that when you destroy the statues, magic is going to be removed from the world and Terra will die. Um, so you know, it's kind of, a, kind of a, a big big concern for them for us just to skip about. But I think that speaks to exactly how fatigued I was yeah, at the too. end of this. It's just like, oh, Get over yourselves, like quit. You know, um, just, I, it's, it's a behemoth. Walk around it. You know, it's huge. Like, I, I, uh, I didn't realize until this playthrough, and this is how unobservant I am. Um, I didn't realize until this playthrough that the uh, that the demon, the goddess, and the fiend, those were the those were the warring triad. Yeah, those are the statues that have been been yeah. or the uh, the actual triad that have been bent to to Kafka's will. And maybe and maybe I stuff. didn't maybe I did notice it, and I just you know am you know rediscovering it now this time it's like oh that's neat that's why they that's why that that's why they had you uh split up into four or into three parties rather um so after you you defeat kafka um you know magic does start being drained from the world and this being a tower you know partially constructed made of magic um it starts falling apart yeah and uh you're you're in the, in the end of the game uh tara you know she says she only has a little bit of strength remaining and you enter into the the ending sequence which this is the this you know, my favorite in any final fantasy game um, it just very, uh, so, you know, just kind of opens up, you know, the music is very like kind of relaxing and it opens up on a book mm-hmm. and you, you revisit every character. Um, you, you hear their musical theme and you see like a little anecdote that kind of, exp- you know, relates to, to their, their characterization as they help each other escape from this, this crumbling fortress. And I, I mean, I don't know how you, this was a, a big thing in 16 bit 
kind of RPG games. It's similar to the Link to the Past ending, mm-hmm. which lets you go revisit everyone who you spent time with. Yeah. But I, I love that that type of ending. Like they're like these are all the people you just spent this you know pretty serious investment of time with. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a like one last chance to kind of uh, you know get a little bit of them. Yeah, I think that what I noticed most about it this time was the music. And, you know, your comment last time about how operatic this game was, not just because it contains an actual opera, uh, but, uh, you know, with everybody having their own little leitmotif, it's uh, it's an overture is what this is. It's just mm-hmm. an overture that happens at the end of the at the end of the uh, of the piece. Right. Yep, it's a, you know, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's pretty sophisticated. Like it's a pretty, you know, neat way to tell that story. And it's 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 kind of it falls flat a little bit in, in some ways, like if there's anyone who you didn't uh, get. So I have these kind of sections of my overture where they played uh, Umaro's music and then just showed his portrait in the top of the screen while panning over some caves, mm-hmm. you know, or, or same thing with Gogo. And that's not very, you know, I understand they need to have a placeholder there. They couldn't yeah. have the music just skip mm-hmm. that part. But other than that, you're just you're treated to all these like nice little character moments, some of which are a little weirdly light in tone for escaping a crumbling, you know, <laughs> magical fortress. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that's kind of where my, my quibble with the, you know, the theme or the moral of the game comes in, which is, you know, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> because of how lighthearted they made it, I love the ending and I love the way that it's executed, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it, it is, it is tonally kind of, kind of weird compared to all the philosophical ranting you just heard. Um, right. and re- really all it comes out and says, aren't friends great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I agree. I I'm, I'm pro friend, uh, <laughs> but, but the, uh, it is, it is not, you know, it's like being anti world hunger, Yeah, you know, it, you know, and of course you're anti world hunger. Um, <laughs> but you know, it just kind of the presentation and stuff yeah. I find really, you know, really kind of top notch. Um, and then as you, you exit, you know, the, the cave, you're escaping on your airship. You know, there's some question as to whether you're going to make it. And, uh, you know, all you, it, it opens up on your character. They're all collapsed on the airship and you think maybe, you know, they've been, they've been killed by falling debris or anything. And they, they wake up one by one. Um, it checks in on a couple of different, uh, areas in the world. And then I want to say that the last, last shot is, is the one of, of Tara at the bow of the ship with mm-hmm. the wind in her hair. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, just kind of speeding away. And that's just a, that's a really nice, you know, I don't know. It's just like, it's not. I don't want to get all TV tropes and say, you know, it made this trope or tear up or anything like that. <laughs> it certainly did. You know, I, it did not make me cry, uh-huh. but it is very like kind of heartening. Yeah. You know, it gave me a little bit of warm, warm fuzzies. Cause Tara survived and everybody kind of moves forward. And again, I'm going to be Mr. Shits on positive thing. <laughs> oh God. I hate, <laughs> no, that's be- fine. I hate being this person that I am Gary. No, uh, um, there, but- there are people who want that from us. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's, uh, yeah. let's lay a f- f- full bore. Um, I think showing the scene of, you know, the, the life returns to the land, it's, it's mm. easy, y- you know, <laughs> just, just kind of like, oh, wow, the, the biosphere is coming or the, or the, the, uh, the, you know, the, all, all the ecosystems are coming back and the grass is turning green and the water is clearing up. It's like with, with Kefka gone, I, I almost would have preferred to like to see, you know, to say, and, and, and mankind gathered together to, you know, to rebuild, uh, like, as opposed to, again, not to get TV tropes on this. I hate the person that I am, Gary, uh, but the, but the no, the, the, the no ontological inertia, which is, right. which is the bad guy dies and all good returns to the land, which is the only thing he was the, he was the keystone upon which all of the awful things in the world, you know, rested. And then boom, there you go. 
Right. And and some of the stuff will make sense because they're talking about, you know, this is a, a more than just having Kafka gone. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, you, you've destroyed these magical statues that had this influence on the world, you know, but it shouldn't undo everything at the yeah. end. I, I 100% agree. I think that it would have been stronger and they could have just had it if they wanted to be upbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, ain't friendship nice. Let's use friends to, to, <laughs> to rebuild just as upbeat. Uh-huh. I, I totally agree. I think it's yeah. it's really successful from a character standpoint, but from the uh, the world, I, I think that would have been more interesting. Um, what I did like about the ending was that they didn't overdo it. Yeah, yeah. The actual the the, the it's a long sequence, and like the kind of the, the overture you hear at the end is long, but they don't. As far as the amount of time that actually takes place is not is not huge. We don't get to see the future and see you know Sellas and Locke's kids, you know, growing <laughs> up and. You know, uh, you know, whatever, and yeah. and and Strago dying his funeral, <laughs> and and when when Edgar finally, you know, uh, realm reaches the age of consent in Figaro, which <laughs> Edgar has lowered, conveniently being the, <laughs> the king of that region, you know, or anything like that. We don't get, we don't see any of that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and that's Final Fantasy VI. That is, and uh, yeah, and you you have, you have, you're on the other end of my favorite JRPG despite all of its flaws that, that we've talked about. Kind of um, other overarching thematic things that I want to bring up too is, is I like how, so Kafka as a, as a boss, oh, yeah. like, you know, he doesn't have the best, you know, his motivations and everything are paper thin. Like he's just a sociopath, but for a final fantasy game, like he, you know, at one point was just a person. He's not some elemental force. And it it doesn't do the boss switcheroo thing mm-hmm. that you know JRPGs love to do and Square specifically, where you know you think you're fighting an evil overlord, but then he just kind of steps aside at the last minute, or even in you know in Final Fantasy IV he joins your team, and your actual enemy is this big cosmic tumor, <laughs> you know, um, he doesn't do that, and I really like that. Like this is you can kind of draw a progression from Kafka just being insane, and then what he does when he has this insane amount of power, and then he kind of becomes introspective and and. Uh, nihilistic mm-hmm. at the end. And this is the first time I remember seeing that, um, you know, without that much outside influence, you know, he was a, a crazy asshole the entire game. It wasn't some power that corrupted him. And they, they kind of take pains to, to show that. Yeah. And I really like that. It wasn't some kind of external force. He just saw an opportunity to become a God and he took it because, you know, he reveals his philosophy. He doesn't see any point in doing anything if you're going to die. Right. You know, right. Yeah. So I, you know, I, th- I think that's a pretty good, you know, pretty pretty good villain. Like yeah. I, I, Kafka, Kafka's up there with with villains for me. I like him a lot as far as uh, Final Fantasy games. Yeah, he may be my my favorite in that case as well. One thing that I like about him and about the you know about the ending of the game as well, he doesn't have a death speech. Right, right. He has a, a before battle speech, but not a not yeah. a death speech. Like it would have yeah. been so easy for 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 them to you know cheap out and say, oh, I see the light now. I see what the power of love can do. Uh, then Huey Lewis comes in and plays everybody off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just he just he just crumbles away into nothingness, and you know he's not given a final say, which uh, which right. it 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 seems like they showed a remarkable level of restraint there. Right. Yeah. So uh, rats off to you, Kefka. Yeah, <laughs> rats off. Good luck at Base Fest. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so and this, you know, we realize this is a you know, so everybody who's listening, to this, this is a long, super long game. <laughs> Super long episode. It took a long time to cover all this material. So thanks for, for sticking with us yeah. on this. And uh, hopefully hopefully you liked it. Um, 
you know, and we, we have some more some more comments. I mean, a lot of people did kind of uh, express some interest and play along with us. So now that you've heard what we have to say about Final Fantasy VI, um, it's time to, to hear what you have to say. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can uh, write us an email at watchoutforfireballs at duckfeed.tv, or you can go to duckfeed.tv slash contact, and uh, there you can uh, fill out a little form that will get that to us. You can also uh, call 419-834-WOFF to leave us a voicemail and get your, your beautiful, beautiful voice featured on uh, the uh, the internet airwaves. We'll, we'll turn it into ones and zeros for you. You don't have to turn it into ones and zeros. Um <laughs> We'll take care of that. It's fine. Um, and uh, we'll feature you on the show. Um, so All we right. have plenty of uh, responses from last week. Why don't you uh, take a take a crack at Andrew, Gary? Um, so Andrew says, my brother and I got a Super Nintendo in 1994, and it came with a free subscription in Nintendo Power. And the first issue had this huge article on a weird-looking RPG. I was curious, but I didn't jump on it until 1996, after I'd already played and loved Super Mario RPG, and my friends talked me into pursuing it. This was when my world was turned upside down by being introduced to Final Fantasy VI. I had weekend sleepovers at my friend's house for weeks, and he guided me through the game. It's weird how I remember it, but at the time I was absolutely mortified. The game seemed so alien from the cheerier Mario RPG, and infinitely more complex. I actually turned down the offer to borrow the game at first, because I was convinced that I would be lost without his help. But my thirst for finding out more about the game and its world, and its story, won out, and I went crazy for it. We spent the following months and honestly years talking about this nonstop, and I got crazy addicted to Squaresoft and RPGs in general after that. So yeah, thanks, Andrew. I think that's probably, you know, a lot of people with the, the Square 16-bit RPGs, it just kind of takes one, <laughs> and then you, you, you hunt them down. That's definitely what happened with me with Final Fantasy IV yeah. uh, slash 2. Final Fantasy IV, that was my intro, and that's that that, that remains my favorite. But uh, you're... Yeah, I, I like that yeah. there is this friend, this uh, Sherpa that guided you through the uh, <laughs> through the uh, jagged peaks of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, I also like it as as a as a contrast to Mario RPG. And I don't know if you've come around on this as well, uh, Andrew, but you know I just played Mario RPG for the show a few episodes ago for my first time, and uh, I found it you know really lacking. Like I like that game, but it outside of the context of being a teenager, like I didn't like it nearly as much as I like this one. And going back and playing this one, I still feel like it's really stronger. But I can see how Mario RPG would be kind of a gateway to that, to this whole idea of thinking about games. You know, it's kind of what Final Fantasy Mystic Quest should have been. So uh, we got a an email from John. Uh, he sent it in using the contact form. Uh, once again, duckfeed.tv slash contact. And he says, The opening sequence with three Magitek armors walking in the middle of a snowstorm to attack Narsh remains quite memorable to this day and is fairly representative of the game's somber atmosphere, even during its brighter and more colorful half. Maybe it's only happened to me, but sometimes even random encounters in places like uh, the crime-ridden Zozo and the imperial capital of Vector felt especially tense, simply because every element came together to create an oppressive yet effective mood. It's true that the first part of the story was all about Terra and the Espers. At heart, uh, with most of the other notable characters like Locke, Edgar, and Cells being dragged into the fight due to either circumstance or choice. That said, they were interesting individuals in their own right, and some of the most worthwhile moments involved splitting up the party, such as during Sabin's and Cyan's rather tragic scenario. Uh, that was in the first episode where we talked about the, uh, the, the, the poisoning of Doma. 
he mm-hmm. uh, uh, concludes by saying, concerning the gameplay, it's um, it's possible to criticize how magic use gradually went from being uncommon and strictly plot relevant to just another weapon in the party's arsenal that threatened to overshadow the unique abilities of some characters. But I felt the concept itself was a reasonable development within the story. More to the point, the ability to learn magic allowed the player to experiment and potentially use characters that would have been otherwise left behind, sometimes even given their unique skills a second chance. That's that's an excellent point, John. Um, I didn't I didn't think about that, but that's the the idea that magic as a plot point is such a big deal in the first half of the game. Like it's a huge deal when you when you run to a city full of people who can use magic, and it's a huge deal that Terra can use magic. And then in the second part of the game, it does kind of become, you know, commodified and just this, you know, thing that everyone pretty much you have to train everyone to, to do to, to stand, stand a chance. That's a great point. I didn't really consider that. I wish that they that they had found a way to repeat that uh, excellent opening shot of the game. The uh, the match. Yeah, that would have been the snow. That would have been cool. And also, I mean, just as far as like repeating things, like I wouldn't have minded another uh, RTS type sequence either yeah. in the second half of the game. Um, so the the world of choosing a, a comment has been destroyed by an evil clown, and we now must enter the world of deliberation. <laughs> um, so one year later, in the world of deliberation. Okay. Oh yeah, we're back. Uh, we're out of the deliberation world. Uh, magic yep, has been I, I've been in a coma kingdom. for a year. <laughs> I've been in a coma for a year, and Cole has been taking care of me. <laughs> been food feeding him some fish off. paste. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least I hope it's fish paste. And, Gross. Um, um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we decided. Uh, why don't you say, Garrett? Yeah, so we're we're gonna give it to John. Um, I just I, I like that that bit about pointing out how magic changed in the plot. It's something I genuinely didn't notice, and I, I always appreciate that. They're both excellent comments, though, and uh, this this episode or this game has gotten excellent comments all around. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, we love that people play the games that we're playing. It's very flattering. Yeah. It's great. But John takes it this time, and John, um, get in touch with us, um, or we will be in touch with you. Mm-hmm. About getting your your game, which could possibly be Metroid Fusion. <laughs> Metroid Fusion. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely the game we're playing. But if you <laughs> and actually it won't be, we're not going to give you Metroid Fusion because no, you'd have to go buy it and mail it. We're not yeah, going to do so that. That was a bit of a, a bit of a bait and switch. But we will get you a game on Steam or the Virtual Console or good old games. Um, the next game we're playing is uh, Metroid Fusion. Mm-hmm. It is available in cart form uh, from your local game store. And if you are a 3DS ambassador, it was a downloadable downloadable game. Um, after that, we have a little bit of a schedule switch up. I've got some real-life stuff going on that is influencing my choices for the show. So uh, the games we had mentioned before, we're still doing them, but we're, we're going to put them on hold and instead do... <laughs> <laughs> Yep, Duck, DuckTales Woohoo <laughs> is the, the game that we're doing after Metroid Fusion. Um, this game is not available on any services, but uh, you know we've made our position on that very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to play with us along with DuckTales, that would be great. It's a fantastic Nintendo platformer, some of the best Nintendo music yeah. of all time. Just, uh, just, a, just a great 8-bit NES game. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. So the the game after that is still undecided. Again, it's just I'm I'm fucking everything up. I'm <laughs> going to be on on vacation for one of the weeks of that game, so I can't be locked to a console. So if you have any ideas for a uh, good, brief, portable game, please let us know either through uh, any of these contact options that Cole's about to go through. And uh, and then we're still going to do Torment and Silent Hill 2. They're just punted down the field a little bit. If any of you started playing those in anticipation of playing along with us, we do apologize. It's just a real life getting in the way of uh, pod life kind of thing. Pod life. So, <laughs> so as Gary My said, favorite blur album. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, so as Gary said, uh, we have a myriad uh, number of ways that you can uh, get a hold of us. Uh, not myriad, literally, not thirty thousand, but there are a couple. <laughs> um, you can uh, check us out on Facebook. We're at facebook.com/slash Watch Out for Fireballs. Uh, you can engage with us there. We uh, we share relevant links. Uh, we have some listeners who are uh, sharing relevant links as well. Um, images, YouTube videos, all of that. It's a great place to be. So uh, go there mm-hmm. and like us, be a fan, all of that good stuff. Uh, you can also go to duckfeed.tv and uh, subscribe to us there. You get all that information. Uh, you can find all the episodes in the show notes there. We make reference to that from time to time. Um, and that has the uh, the links for the iTunes subscription and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in kind of helping out the show, um, we, we haven't uh, plugged this in a little bit. Um, a great way to do that is through iTunes. If you want to rate and review us there, um, we've had a couple of nice uh, ratings and reviews come in. Um, that is, it's a huge, so it, it makes us feel good. It's also a huge help to the show because the, the hidden alchemy that iTunes uses to determine, you know, who sees what and what's recommended and what ends up on what pages, as far as I can tell, is entirely through ratings and reviews. So that is probably the single most concrete way you can help us out. Um, if you happen to have a podcast that you do and you want to mention us like a couple of awesome people did, uh, we would like to issue a, um, a special thanks to Mr. Tyler Crumrine of Ninjas vs. Podcast, um, an excellent conflict resolution uh, uh, podcast that is uh, that, that is out there. Um, they they decide which is better. A conflict resolution podcast is really <laughs> funny to me. It's not for like communications majors who you know it's not homework for communications majors. It's 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 the classic you know who would win in a fight. <laughs> What's better conversations you're having with your friends, but imagine like four really funny friends having it and who wouldn't want to listen to that. It's very good. (laughs) Very good. And uh, we also got a a shout out from a podcast called uh, Dork Night, um, which I've only managed to listen to. I found out about it kind of late in the cycle, managed to listen to to it. Those guys are are also funny talking about general uh, kind of nerd culture stuff. So. Mm Thank you very much for the shout out there as well. Uh, we'd also like to thank the guys over at Video Games Hot Dog, which is an excellent kind of subdued, you look nice today meets general video game discussion uh, podcast. They gave us a great little shout out when they were talking about uh, about uh, Shadowrun recently, which is which is really awesome. Those guys run uh, Kingdom of Loathing, which is an excellent little web RPG. And uh, we'd like to plug their podcast because I don't think a lot of people know that they do a podcast. And it's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, it's very good. And, and very, it was very awesome to hear that because those guys are, you know, I, I spent a long time on Kingdom of Loathing a, a couple of years ago. And, and to know that one of the guys from there is listening to the show, that's that's huge for me. I really appreciate that. So um, further, um, just and and just to make this the longest <laughs> section of the longest fucking episode of this show that there is, um, I still have plenty of buttons available. If you if you want a button, let us know through any of those main, main you know, ways that we, we mentioned. Uh, people have gotten their buttons. They like them. They're good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have extra sodes. Every episode, we're producing a smaller podcast that it consists of deleted scenes from the podcast. If you, uh, we're going to turn those into an RSS feed, 
So once you help us out, you, you have access to that for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we're in the process of doing now, but look out for that in the future. If you write a review for us on iTunes or mention us on Facebook or on your podcast and you're interested in uh, kind of, you know, some, some extra material from the podcast, we would love to, to hook you up with that. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that they can do as far as homework goes. Um, do we want to mention the, the, the other, uh, the, the, the other kind of prize stuff? Yeah, yeah, I have to mention that actually. Thank you for reminding me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am part of this, uh, in real life, uh, crap I'm going through that's necessitating screwing up our schedule. I'm getting rid of tons of my stuff and I have, um, a lot of old video game types type things like little some little statuettes a while back on ebay i bought a box of like manuals and video game maps <laughs> and you know those posters that came with video games that just like showed like 50 nintendo games and stuff i'm not i'm moving into a tiny apartment i'm not going to have room for that stuff so if you want it um i want to mail all this stuff out to a listener of this show um <laughs> so if you want that um Show us that you that you care. Um, if you have some kind of like a, you know, creative output, if you want to do like a jingle or draw a picture that's related to the show, um, if you want to uh, show us a creative use of a, you know, wear one of the buttons in a creative way, something like that, um, let us know, and you could win a a big box shipped to you free of charge of cool old video game stuff. And I, like I said, I'm moving, so there will be lots of neat shit in there. I'm <laughs> probably not even sure everything that will go in there yet. But if you just want a box of, of love from Watch Out for Fireballs, um, this is your opportunity to get it. The uh, the deadline for that, though, since I am moving in about uh, about a month. So the deadline is about a month. <laughs> so a couple episodes down the road, uh, you want to get, I'd say about three weeks from when you're hearing this would be the deadline. So if so. you liked what you heard, all, all four hours of it here... <laughs> <laughs> you can uh yeah you can uh check us out uh some more uh gary is entering the end stage of dead idea of valhalla as it exists right now uh over there dead idea of valhalla.com it is his comedy variety music uh program he's doing a uh an epic audio play uh which i am proud to uh have taken part in uh so please check that out and also listen to every episode because each of them is a cherry in its own way yeah, it, it will. It stands as a work in the end. So if you're interested in me, that's that's where to find me on there. And then whatever I end up doing next, which undoubtedly be something, will end up there. Um, you are already probably got this from where you can find the rest of Cole's output, which is DuckFeed.tv, which is a, a fantastic website. It houses this show, but also houses his other shows. Uh, Stand under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, which is a modern video game show, um, different topics of discussion, what you've been playing, um, you know, different. Uh, different game news, and then also Those Damn Ross Kids, which is a comedy show that he does with his brother um, where they, they talk about weird news stories and uh, tear each other down <laughs> in an amusing fashion. So with, um, with, uh, with, with, with that uh, monumental task under our, uh, you know, un- kind of under our belts, you know, <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have covered one of the bigger, better Final Fantasy games. I have to say there's not much left for us to do, really. Right, right. One one thing to watch out for is the fact that you're now two hours older and the other <laughs> thing to watch out for. So uh, get your, your prostate checked, adult onset diabetes, always concerned. And then the, uh, the other thing to watch out for, of course, is fireballs.
that makes sense. Like you're the first, you know, probably the first visitor he's had in a year mm-hmm. other than like senior behemoths. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like the behemoth opened up a Mexican restaurant. Oh, and that's why the senior behemoths on the west side of Kafka's tower. Bienvenidos a senior behemoths. Tienes margaritas grandes. Ultimate margarita. Ultima margarita. Or margarita aga. Margarita ultima, the last margarita. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We broke the code, Gary.